What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with another Power 5 preview, man. Listen, the season is, like, so close. I don't know about you guys. I can, like, taste it. Like, I, I need this to happen ASAP. Like, I can't wait for kickoff next week. Listen, we start in our previews next week. I Like, we are going to do, like, listen, we're so excited for football. We are previewing, like, every game being played Saturday, dude. I don't care if you told me the practice squad for like Home Depot is playing. We're, we got a preview coming for you. We, we just want to see some type of football on the field. So, guys, if you haven't tuned into our previews before, wherever you're watching, man, we definitely appreciate it. We're over on YouTube, live on Twitter, Facebook, man. So make sure to like, retweet, share, subscribe, all that stuff, no matter where you're watching, man. We definitely appreciate y'all tuning in. So how this is going to go, we're going to talk storylines first get into the top games to watch for the upcoming season, get into players to watch, talk about some sleeper teams that we're both excited about, and then we got our official predictions dropping at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. And as always, wherever you're watching, there should be a chat box. Put your questions, put your concerns, put your comments, everything like that in the chat box. We want this to be popping, interacting, everything like that, so we appreciate y'all tuning in on this Saturday night, man. Hope y'all are having a great weekend. But let's get right into it, Brandon. The, the only storyline that realistically we have to talk about here is what is next for the Big 12 after Texas and Oklahoma leave. We've covered this on a few shows already. We kind of gave our thoughts on individual teams, things like that. Figured it'd be a nice time to kind of recap it here now that we know we can kind of separate the rumors from the truth at this point. Like There was a time where there were so many wild reports coming out of the Big 12 that it was like the AAC is going to eat everybody up. The Pac-12's taking TCU. The Big Ten's taking Kansas and Iowa State. Uh, Baylor might go to the SEC. I mean, there were so many things happening. But for you, what are your thoughts on what's next for the Big 12 after Texas and Oklahoma leave? Now that we know about the Big 10, ACC, and Pac-12 alliance, where they're not going to fight over these teams. Yeah, dude. So realistically, what I see happening, and from what I'm hearing as well, and uh, can't remember exactly which reports I saw, but the SEC is not really looking at any more teams. Like they're pretty much like they're done as well. So realistically, what I see happening to the remainder of the Big Twelve, which is going to be eight teams now, um, I see them. And I know you probably disagree with me here because you've been very vocal about the AAC. I think they snatch up some uh, some uh, group of five teams. I really do. And I think that they fill these two spots at least. They might try to fill four spots and try to get back to 12 teams. That way they're at least competitive with the other conferences. I mean, the SEC and ACC have 16 teams, or will, will have 16 teams. Um, the Big the Big 10 has 14 teams. And the Pac-12, I think, has 12 teams. So, so I, I mean, they have to be able to compete. So I, I say that they go as hard as they can after teams like SMU, uh, probably Houston, maybe – maybe some others. I think those are like the two for sure that they're going to try to go after. Yeah. And I mean, for, for me, I mean, as you know, I'm very vocal that the AAC should come in and try to merge somewhat together. That way they could, we could start having divisions in that conference. That way you can make a better argument, Brandon, that that's a power five conference. Cause I would love to see a team like a Cincinnati, a Memphis, a UCF have a realistic shot at a college football playoff spot. But it, so I guess, so let me take your plan first. So if they're going to add teams, I think the list should somewhat look like this because I feel like You've already so I mean, right now the conference stretches from like right there the Oklahoma, Texas and Kansas, all the way to West Virginia, which was a weird which was a weird ad in the first place. I think you should look at I agree, SMU and Houston would be two interesting choices. I also think maybe you should even look to expand a little bit more west and maybe even look at a Boise State, Brandon. If you're looking yeah. to add somebody that has a history of winning, has a history of being somewhat competitive. Boise State's AD, and you know when Brian Harson was there, who's now at Auburn, they were already exploring options into moving into the Power Five. So I think Boise State would be one willing and two come with enough name recognition. Where yes, it, it's a big drop off from Texas or Oklahoma, but 
I feel like their brand might be bigger than an SMU's or a Houston's. And then I think an interesting choice, Brandon, you already got to go all the way to West Virginia. Why not even look into adding a Memphis or an Appalachian State? There's, right. there's no reason, in my opinion, that those teams should be off the table. And I think I think both of those teams would be willing. Both of those teams have the fan bases that would, I think, make an interesting Big 12. The problem here is, is that no matter who you add, I feel like the Big the Big 12 is at a disadvantage because everyone's going to say, well, it's not Texas or Oklahoma. So I feel like, one, fans need to adjust their expectations because if the Big 12 looks to stay together, they're not going to add anybody with a name recognition of a Texas and or an Oklahoma. But what you need to do is try, one, if you're just try to salvage it at least. Try to find teams that are going to be able to compete somewhat because you don't want to have what happens with a Kansas where, Brandon, we're making our predictions, and I feel like the first spot, the, the last spot to decide is easier than the to decide who wins the conference. It's like, yeah, Kansas is going to be in dead last. Like, it's not even a discussion anymore. So, Maybe I Exactly. And, you know, they got a great coach out of Buffalo coming in, Lance Leipold and all that. But right now they're way behind the Big 12. So those are like the realistic options for me. But, Brandon, let's move in to our Big 12 preview this year. This move isn't happening for a while. I'm sure there's more information going to come out after the season this year when decisions start being made. Let's get to our top games to watch here, man. Um so I got mine separated, but let's start with non-conference games, Brandon. I, f- I feel like we need to separate these because we'll jump back and forth. So let's let's say what non-conference games are you looking forward to most and might have the biggest impact on the Big 12? I, I, I honestly think, Zach, you're going to have to go ahead with this one because I had no non-conference teams on my games to watch. I didn't wow. see – yeah, I, I honestly did not see a ton of – well, you know what? I take it back. I had one. I'm sorry. I, I had one. Um, I had Iowa and Iowa State. I think that's going to be probably the biggest out-of-conference game um, for the Big 12 in its entirety because as I was going through this uh, this list of, of games to watch in the Big 12 this season, like they they didn't really schedule up. They weren't like going out of their way to schedule teams. Like, you know, for instance, Clemson is playing Georgia. So the ACC and SEC are crossing over there. Um What's the other? Oregon's playing Ohio State, so the Pac-12 and Big Ten there, but the Big 12 just kind of sat back. And, and Iowa and Iowa State are only playing because they have that rivalry that they can't split up really. Because once Iowa left the Big 12, they were like, "Okay, well, we're going to keep this." Um, but this game, I mean, both teams, and I mentioned this on um, you know because I already mentioned this game on our last live stream for the Big Ten. Um, this is the first time that these two teams have played when they've both been ranked which is insane to me. Like, think about the history of this game and think about, like, I mean, Iowa, Iowa State is just one of those games where growing up, even though neither one of these teams were great while we were growing up, like, it's a game that you remembered. Um, neither one of these teams have been, like, they've never been ranked at the same time. So that, that's, to me, that's going to be a super exciting game. It comes super early in the season on September 11th. So it's the second weekend, well, third weekend, but really the second weekend for college football uh, for most teams. Um it, it has a lot of implications for the remainder of the season, kind of on the direction of, you know, what might be one of the better teams in the Big Ten versus what's supposed to be the second best team in the Big 12 this season. I, I don't know if that robbery has a name, but they, it has to be the Battle of the Cornfield, man. It, it, it has to be, or the, like the Battle of the Cornstalk, something like that. You got to get a, you got to like insert a little Midwest in that name, man, in my opinion. So, any Iowa, Iowa State fans, man, let us know if that robbery already has a name. If not, trademarking that immediately. The battle of the cornfields between Iowa, Iowa State. That was mm-hmm. one of mine. And, Brandon, this I, I picked a few more just because the, the Big 12 has to do better winning out-of-conference games as well. And so these are important for that. One happens September 4th, week one in Arlington, which is Kansas State-Stanford. Okay, It's going to be an interesting game. One – Chris Kleiman is doing an outstanding job at Kansas State. Last year was, uh, I guess, viewed a bit of a wash for Kansas State because of Skylar Thompson's injury. They beat Oklahoma, and then everyone gets hurt. They had they had like three or four defensive backs go down, Brandon, after that, and they lose to Arkansas State. 
And it just all kind of fell apart for Chris Kleiman. So, one, this is the first big test of the year for Kleiman and this new Kansas State Wildcats team. And, two, Stanford's not really, you know, what we're going to do our Pac-12 preview next week. They're not really viewed as one of the top contenders for the Pac-12. So, for Kansas State to get a win here, it's huge because when you look at Oklahoma's schedule, you mentioned the non-conference isn't very strong. You look at Iowa State's schedule. Outside of Iowa, it's not very strong. And so what it's going to do is help to strengthen the schedule perception in the Big 12, which suffers because, you know, there's a perception that the Big 12 is not very good, which is wrong, in my opinion. So this is a huge week one game for Kansas State season because, like you, like we all know in the Big 12, you got to play everybody. So they still have the TCUs. They still have the Oklahomas, the Iowa States. They really can't afford to take a loss week one to Stanford unless it's going to – might get ugly down the stretch. And we saw – Texas put up like 60 in one of the final weeks of the season on them. It could get real ugly for Kansas State if they lose this week one game. Yeah, I think you're right, Zach. And, and, go ahead. Oh, and I mean, hey, we just mentioned this team, Brent. I want to throw this in here. Oklahoma State, Boise State. Okay. September yeah. 18th is a big one. If Boise State goes in there and blows the door off of Mike Gundy, I personally think Mike Gundy could be on one of the hottest seats in the country. We saw what happened last year with Chuba Hubbard and the T-shirt scandal and everything like that. That team greatly underperformed after – I think they ranked, they ranked sixth in the country, Brandon, in mid-October, get upset by Texas, and then the season kind of fell apart for them. So I don't yeah. – I, I think Mike Gundy is on a very precarious position because, Brandon, we don't see coaches have the longevity that he has at a school and not win big games. And – Boise State week three could be huge because once they start getting to that conference schedule, I really feel like Oklahoma State's going to have a tough road ahead. Losing that game is big. And personally, Brandon, this this game is my last one here before we get to conference. And this might not be a big game for the Big 12. It's a big game for a Big 10 team. I mean, Big 12 team. Kansas versus Coastal Carolina. Yeah. September 11th. That upset last year really kind of sparked the Coastal Carolina breakout last year where they just shocked everyone, rose to you know almost top ten in the country. If Kansas gets their doors blown off again, man, how much of a black eye is that for the Big 12? It's, I mean but it's also it's also the Big 12's worst team. You oh, said it is. Yeah. It, it is, but they they shouldn't be getting blown out like that. I mean, Grayson McCall made that defense look like melted butter, man. I mean, he was throwing as uh, he was throwing as he wanted, running as he wanted. Kansas had no answer. And this year, Coastal Carolina has one of the best teams in the Sun Belt. But man, how much of a demoralizing fact is that for Kansas to be like, man, we got this new coach, all these new players, all these new transfers. We're going to re- we're going to return to what we were in the mid two thousands. And then get your doors blown off week two against Coastal Carolina. That's not a good look when you still have the Texases, the Oklahomas, the Iowa States on that schedule. I think what it's going to do, Brandon, they might not win that game, but if it's not competitive, which it wasn't last year, that's more demoralizing than just losing the game. So Coastal Carolina, Kansas is just important for Kansas as a motivation, momentum type thing. They just have to keep it competitive, Brandon, because you know, right now, it. Coastal Carolina looks like they might beat them by 20, which is absolutely ridiculous. If I would have told you in 2008 when Kansas was number two that Coastal Carolina was going to be a better overall football team. An absolutely wild season, by the way, 2008. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm say Missouri and Kansas dominating college football in 08 or 07, whatever it was. But, man, let's just go together on this one. We know what's the biggest game of the year. I know it's on both our lists. Oklahoma, Iowa State, man, November 20th. Brandon, what, for me, what makes this game so unique is how late in the season it comes. Yeah. Because I, I, I know early season matchups can be variable and hard to predict because some teams just don't have the momentum, the chemistry built up in week three or four. But, man, Brandon, this is week 11. Going, you know, toward the end of the season, both of these teams, in my opinion, are going to be operating at just full strength, hopefully with no injuries, but the chemistry is going to be there. The momentum is going to be there. There's a chance, Brandon, that this matchup is an 11-0 matchup. 
Because looking at the schedules, I don't see many losses for Iowa State or Oklahoma on the schedule before this game. So, I mean, you're talking about this game could be the biggest Big 12 game that we've seen in a long time in the regular season. Dude, absolutely. And this is, I mean, when is the last time that Iowa State was in the top 10 for this kind of matchup? Like, we never see this. This is like well, a- We saw it last year. We saw it okay. last year. Besides last season. Last season was kind of an anomaly for Iowa State, and that's why they're ranked number seven preseason this year. But, I mean, this defense, dude, is the truth at Iowa State, and that's why they're up here. So what we're going to see is kind of – and we make fun of the Big 12 because they're all offense, no defense. Obviously, it's kind of like – they're like the anomaly there. They're like the, the – go ahead. Well, well, the Big 12 is overall had I, – I believe the Big 12 was one of the strongest defensive conferences last year in terms of well, rankings. Last season, Zach, but historically talking about the Big 12. Oh, yeah, no, historically it's shocking, but, man, listen, the, the hirings of, like, Dave Aranda and everything like that have really helped this conference improve the perception. And, Brandon, the shocking thing is, is I can't live up to say this, Iowa State probably doesn't have the best defense in that game. You don't think so, really? Uh, I'm going to put it on wax, and I've released an episode. I'll link it in the bio. Oklahoma will have a top 10 defense this year. I'll I'll put whatever amount of money. They're just going to be unbeatable in your mind. They 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 will not lose the game. They were top 20 last year. They have a top 10 offense. They have a top three offense, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But That's not even a debate. (laughs) Defense is top 10. That's crazy. They were top twenty last year, so and they're returning all everyone except for um, I'm blanking on the kid's name, the cornerback that got Trey Norwood. He's yeah. the only starter they lost on that defense, really. But then Buki transferred to Washington, so they lost two impact players, and that whole front seven is returning. Brandon, four of their starting defensive linemen, which are all of them, if you run a four three, graded out the top five pass rushers at their position. Yeah, I can't fault you, man. I mean. I mean you're right. And when you're right, you're right. Uh, this Oklahoma team is going to be freaking scary, though. Like, I just, I, I, guess I, just think, I guess I just didn't even think about this because, like, if, okay, so I'm a gambler. If you're a gambler, go place a future in Oklahoma, not only to win the Big 12, by the way, and that's coming up, but to be in the playoff, I think. If, if Zach's right about the top 10 in both offense and defense, which it sounds kind of like he might be, um, Definitely, I, I would. Like, I, I'm kind of on my way right now. I'm on my way to Gulfport right now. You go to the casino so I can play some bets. I mean, I mean not even like just this matchup, the Oklahoma Iowa State matchup, guys. This is the matchups that we could be getting. We could be getting Brock Purdy versus Spencer Rattler, probably the top two quarterbacks in the conference right now. Spencer Rattler is an odds on Heisman favorite, arguably a, t- a the top, I would say, arguably a top two quarterback. Because, I mean, you can make an argument for Sam Howell. But he's top two. Uh, let's just put it like that. Then you have the running back matchup, Brandon. You've got Brees Hall at Iowa State, who led the nation in rushing. Yeah. Then on the flip side, on Oklahoma, you have Eric Gray from Tennessee, who had an explosive first two years there. And on top of Kennedy Brooks coming back, who was the leading rusher the, two years ago, who opted out last year. So you have that. Then at wide receiver, Xavier Hutchison for Iowa State, on top of Marvin Mims and uh, let's just say the plethora of wide receivers they got over there at, at um, Oklahoma, including Jadon Hazelwood, who I'm excited for. Then the, the tight end battle, Brandon. You have the two highest-graded tight ends in the country in Charlie Kohler and um, Austin Stogner. Yeah. Dude, just, just on offense, the matchups are going to be legendary. This game, Brandon, I would say is going to be a top three game this year. I would put it right up there with Georgia Clemson. I'm very excited for it. I really am. I mean, and it's beyond that. I mean, even like the defensive battle here, you know, you mentioned that, that Oklahoma is going to be this top 10 defense. I think Iowa State's right up there with them. You know, with Mike Rose leading this defense, dude, he is a scary guy, by the way. <laughs> I can't wait to get to players. But, uh, yeah, I think you guys are right. This is going to be one of the greatest games we see all season. And to come so late for it to have, like, because this might, I mean, there's a, gr- a really good chance that they played this end of the season game and they just turn right back around and play the uh, play the um, Big 12 uh, Conference Championship again. Like, that, that would be absolutely wild. I am praying that COVID <laughs> doesn't wipe out fans because I already have an Oklahoma connection who reached out to me 
and I plan on being in Norman for this game. It's only like a three-hour drive from where I am. I will find a way, Norman. Listen, y'all can get me tickets from hanging from the rafters. I'll find my way into that stadium. I'm so pumped. But, Brandon, another game I'm excited for, and this one I know I'm going to have to explain a little bit, is TCU Texas, October 2nd. Yeah. For me, I'm pumped for this game because, one, we're going to find out this game, Brandon, how good Steve Sarkeesian really is at play calling. Because he doesn't have Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, the best offensive line in the country at Alabama. You're going to find out how if he can out-scheme one of the best defensive schemers in Gary Patterson that week. And that TCU defense is loaded. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But that offense, man, who's going to start? I already went over this week. We dropped our fall camp updates. The Texas quarterback battle is far from over. Hudson Card, Casey Thompson, neither are separating themselves. So we don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be. But what a test October 2nd. And, Brandon, I know you know this stat because I brought it up when I picked TCU to pull the upset this year. They have owned Texas in the recent years. They've won like nine out of the last like 11 matchups. And they've dominated them in Austin. TCU, it just Gary Patterson is a matchup nightmare for Texas. And this is going to be interesting, Brandon. How far can Bajan Robinson carry this team? Because I don't think the Texas has the wide receivers to match up with TCU. So it's going to be a Bajan Robinson, Zachary Evans running back battle. Ooh, I, I mean, two of the best, yeah, two of the best running backs coming out of that class going head to head. Who's going to get? Who's going to you know get there? And but the thing for Steve Sarkeesian is: is he really a quarterback guru, or was Alabama just uber talented? Because we're going to find out. Because it's because I promise you, Casey Thompson and Hudson Card are going to be a large step down from what he was working with at Bama. So TCU Texas October second is a game I'm looking for. Because for me, Brandon, that game's one going to really determine if Texas is going to even compete for anything in the Big Twelve, and two. I think TCU could be very scary this year, and I'll get into that a little bit later when we get to our sleepers and stuff, just a spoiler. But I think TCU it could be right there in the thick of things. This is going to be a contender-pretender matchup October 2nd. Who's the contender? Who's the pretender between Texas and TCU? It for sure will be, Zach. And I've got I've got one more uh, I want to mention real quick, and it's – like I said, it's going to be real quick. It's going to be Oklahoma-Texas, the Red River shoot – I mean, rivalry, uh, whatever the game's called now. We, we keep changing it. Uh, but anyway, this is always just a fun game to watch. It comes pretty early in the season this year, though, Zach. It comes like week five, yeah. I think. It's October 9th. Um, it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be very close. It is a rivalry game, so I guess anything – It's always close. It's weird. It's like yeah. even if Texas is d- dog water, they, they like somehow pull out and like they're in the game in like the late third quarter. It's, it's, it's just – it's just like it's just like LSU A and M. It's just like Auburn Alabama. There's just always like that it fa- there's always like that like robbery what if factor in that game. So I'm not counting anyone out in that game, but I think there's a strong favorite this year, especially Texas doesn't have a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And that's dude, Texas quarterback situation is insane right now. Like what's going on? But yeah, I, I had to put that game on here. You can't not have that game on here for a Big Twelve preview. Um, I don't think that game's going to determine anything. It's just going to be a great game to watch. It's going to be a really fun game to watch. So, yeah, I, I had that on my list. Uh, so, I'll, I'll end this segment up, and we'll move on to players to watch. Brad, I'm going to have one that's off the wall. Let me explain it to y'all before y'all, you know, just like, what are we talking about? West Virginia, Oklahoma State, November 6th. Okay. This is important. <laughs> this is going to be important to me because, one – West Virginia's secondary ravaged by transfers and opt-outs and NFL draft, uh, you know, NFL draft departures. Oklahoma State's offense ravaged by NFL draft departures. Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, but that defense is still there, and there's some promising players on West Virginia's offense. This, to me, Brandon, is a hot seat game. Because I already told you Boise State's going to be there for Oklahoma State early. I don't think they're going to be challenging Oklahoma in a few weeks after this game. November 6th is late enough in the season where this is going to determine whether Neil Brown needs to kind of start getting a little antsy about his job and what he's going to do down the stretch. And two, is Mike Gundy in trouble? Because, Brandon, they're probably going to lose to Oklahoma. Let's just be honest. Probably going to lose to Iowa State. Probably going to lose to TCU, Texas, maybe even Kansas State. Oklahoma State, if they drop this game, 
could be looking at some real, real trouble. And so I think for me, this conference game, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, could be a hot seat game and one that could really determine whether the Mike Gundy era is sticking around at Oklahoma State. Because I think the patience is real thin over there in Stillwater. Yeah, I think you're right, Zach. That's that's a game I didn't that didn't even occur to me, but I have them. I had them finishing right next to each other in my uh, in my standings. So I guess that is going to kind of determine something. That'll be fun. Yeah, and so let's move to players to watch, man. This this is always my favorite segment because um, I feel like a lot of these other YouTube channels, man, they'll give you the stars. They'll be like, "Hey, go watch Spencer Rattler." It's like, yeah, everyone was already going to go watch Spencer Rattler, but we give you <laughs> the real facts here, man. We give you the real players. So, Brent, I'll kick it off. So I always just toss it to you and put you on the spot. Okay. I have a player who. You probably haven't heard of unless you listen to our show. So I mentioned him last year a few times, and that's Riley Texaco for Baylor. He's a cornerback over there. And for me, Brandon, I feel like he's one of the best corners in the country. He's a bright spot for this Dave. He's a bright spot for this Dave Aranda team to win season. But Brandon, Texaco didn't get any help. He was targeted only 28 times, Brandon, the entire season. And it just shows how they were picking on the other DBs around him. And so he allowed 35 yards or fewer in eight of his nine games, Brandon, and only allowed 10 catches for 89 yards and no touchdowns his first eight games this season. This kid is all over the field. He's that boundary shutdown corner. He can travel. You can put him in the slot if needed. But Dave Aranda says, listen, I played at LSU. I always have that go-to guy who I'm like, you're going to shut this guy down. Riley Texaco is that guy for Baylor. And I want to see how Dave Aranda utilizes him this year, how he schemes him up. And I think Baylor's going to have a much improved secondary. Our quarterback's going to have to throw at Texaco because the problem is he just doesn't get thrown at enough to make an impact. And we see that with top corners. But when he does get thrown at, he shuts it down ASAP. He had a pick last year, took it back 56 yards so he can make plays with the ball in his hand. I love what this kid brings. I think he's one of the best corners in the country, and I feel like he's a name that you guys need to know about that no one is really looking at. So I think Riley Texaco, that's that, that's my guy. That's my first pick here. And I mentioned him last year as a breakout player too, and everyone slept on him, and he showed it this year. So he's definitely a player to watch for me. Yeah. Um, so, what? man, this is tough because I, I, have, I have a big list. Um I think I'm going to go first, and I'm kind of doing the opposite of Zach. I'm not really going with, like, like under-the-radar guys. I'm going with guys that you've heard of. Um, but I'll start out with the ones that aren't going to, you know, that, that didn't – that aren't coming off of, like, award-winning seasons. So I'm going to go with uh, Max Duggan as my first choice, Zach. Quarterback uh, oh, wow. at dude, he, he honestly surprised me last year with, with his passing percentage. He passed for 61% uh, last season. I think he uh, – and that was only in 10 games, by the way. 146 out of 240. Uh, almost 1,800 yards passing, Zach. And he averaged 7.5 yards per pass. Uh, 10 touchdowns, only four interceptions. And the real things that, that, that I can talk about with him, Zach, aren't on paper because it's just the way that he started playing toward the end of the season last year. You know, he, he had – you know, I'm not going to say a rough beginning of the season – but he definitely started playing better there toward the second uh, half of the season, those next five games. Um, and I think he's just primed uh, for a breakout season this year. You know, I don't think that he had that already. He's, you know, he's going to his junior season last year. He looked good. His freshman season, he looked pretty good as well, but he hasn't had that breakout year. And he's not the star that we, you know, that we talk about every single week on this podcast. We're not talking about him as like, you know, Oh, he's going to be the big 12 player of the year. He might not be this season, but he's definitely going to, I, I think, take a big step in his game this upcoming year. I mean, he definitely did. I was going to talk about him later for another segment, but, I mean, bro, the way he – so for a, a quarterback, um, like I, I guess a quarterback that can improve his completion percentage like that in a year with no offseason, along with trying to get rid of the turnovers, is pretty outstanding. Um, and I, I think Max Duggan, man, I think that was a great pick. And I'm going to stick with the TCU thing. I was going to go out. I'm going out of order here because you stuck with TCU. Yeah. I have Zach Evans. Okay. I, I, I honestly think, Brandon, if there is a player that's going to be a breakout player of the year that can make a run for the Big 12 player of the year that we're not talking about is Zach Evans. There, 
there is a point in which Zach Evans was the number one running back in the class. He was a top 10 player in his class as well. I think you're going to see it come out this year, Brandon. So he got on campus late last year, had some academic stuff, had an early injury, Brandon. So he only had 54 total rushes last year um, in the season, but on those averaged over eight yards per carry, found the end zone four times. And on top of that, what's going to separate them now is now the offensive coordinator has had time to work them into some of the passing schemes they have. Personally, I would love to see him get on some screens, put them out in the slot, get them out in space, because that's where Zachary Evans is special. His vision is top-notch as well. I mean, this year he should be running back one. They had a deep running back room, but now out of fall camp, he has separated himself as the top running back. Brandon averaged almost 10 yards per catch last year out of the backfield in the in the limited action. I, this year, I honestly think Evans, coming out of North Shore High School as the number one running back, that guy's going to improve. I, he feels like he's gotten everything together. He's primed and ready. And also, Brandon, here's the key. TCU is going to have probably a top three O-line in the conference. Yeah. He's going to benefit from that. And on top of that, their wide receiving core for the Horn Frogs and Max Duggan's running ability is going to give him some opportunities to make some plays with his legs. So right now, I think Zachary Evans is probably my number one candidate for breakout, breakout player of the year in this conference. All right. I really like that pig, Zach. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I guess, a player who, I, who you can say had his breakout season last year. But this is the season that I think that he can truly compete to be one of the best at his position in this conference. And that's going to be Bajan Robinson. Uh, I know Brees Hall is up there at Iowa State, and everybody's thinking, oh, you're crazy because he was the leading rusher in the NCAA last season. He also had – he played more games than anybody else did in the country, uh, excluding postseason. So uh, he's very good. I'm not, I'm not talking down on him at all. But Bajan Robinson, I think, is primed to have an incredible season, Zach. Because last year on only 86 touches, he he had 703 rushing yards, and he averaged 8.2. You know, you had that big number with Zach Evans with that. I think he had, you said 8.5 per per rush last season. Yeah, it was like it was like right at eight. Yeah, he, he had 8.2 over 86 carries, 703 yards, and really, I mean, with Texas's quarterback situation right now, who knows what that's going to look like? Who knows what this passing game is going to look like? Period. They're, they're going to be relying on Mishon Robinson in Texas. Um, agree, and, yeah. and no matter who is the quarterback there, Zach, he's also a receiving threat. He had 15 receptions last season for, for 200 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, the kid's a monster. He's one of the greatest – well, he's one of the best running backs we've seen in Texas in a pretty long time now because when you think about Texas, like in the past, what, 15 years, decade, you, you don't really think running backs. You know, you think you think more like quarterbacks. You think more defense. Uh, back. Well, well, I think Sam Ellinger was like their leading rusher for like four years. So Which that tells not. you everything you need to know. Like we made such a big point over that uh, or two seasons ago, I think. I think it was 2019 when we were talking. Or well, it was last year too. But yeah, yeah, dude, they, they, he is definitely the running back that Texas has been searching for. Um, and, and I think that he is primed to have an even bigger season than last year, and he might be the leading rusher in this conference. And that's not talking down on Breesaw. That's talking about how good Bajan Robinson truly is. Well, I also feel like with Brees Hall, the competition this year is going to be so tough at running back. I mean, between Brees Hall, Bajan Robinson, Zachary Evans, you got Kennedy Brooks, you got Eric Gray, both at both at Oklahoma. You have Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State that no one was talking about, who was one of the top freshmen last year coming out of there. Personally, I, I think the running back position is going to be loaded in the Big 12. It's going to be outrageous. But, Brandon, got a defensive, another defensive player for you. Um, I have Nick Benito All right. out of Oklahoma, edge rusher. This is a name, Brandon. It disappoints me because I feel like college football fans, they just, they're overlooking such great talent because they don't watch anyone other, but, other than their favorite teams sometimes. I I personally think this kid is is – arguably one of the best players in in the country on defense. And the reason I say that, Brandon, he was the top graded uh, pass rusher in the league and in, in, the, in the country last year. He, he had graded at a 94, Brandon, for pass rush grade. 
Right. So that is almost perfect. And he also led the country in pass rush win rate, winning his pass rushes at almost a 30% clip. No one was even like close to that. And his pressure rate was up over 25%, which led the nation. Brandon, his worst game, this was his absolute worst rated game in terms of pass rushing. He still got pressure 20% of the time in that game. And he rushed the passer. And that, that, that would be a good average for a player. And that was his worst game. So this kid's legit, man. Nine sacks, 12 tackles for loss in only 10 games. Has over 12 and a half sacks, 18 tackles for loss in his whole two seasons. His first step, Brandon, is what makes him so quick. Oklahoma solely, I mean, really solely plays him outside the tackle. He's, he's a true edge rusher. When you hear that edge position, it's Nick Benito. And he's so quick off the ball, Brandon, that a lot of these offensive tackles struggle to get their hands on him. And he just uses that speed, uses his weight to keep them to keep their hands off of him. And when he does that, man, he's getting to the quarterback. He is the he's one of like the biggest reasons this Alex Grinch defense has taken such a large leap. They were ranked his defense two years ago, Brandon, was ranked 128th in the country in EPA for defense. They ranked they ranked top twenty last year. Right. In that. So it just shows how great Alex Grinch is. Nick Benito, outside of Kayvon Thibodeau, is the top edge rusher out there. I think that's a name that people need to write down and make sure to catch an Oklahoma game because this kid is – he just has that it factor when you watch him, Brandon. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Zach. Um, I've only got one more that I want to talk about, really. Um, so, I mean, if you have more, you can go ahead and go. Or if you want me to go – Oh, you're good, man. Uh, um, I only got one more, so go ahead. Perfect. And guys, as much as I want to talk about players like Spencer Radler or Brees Hall, um, even like Eric Gray, I'm going to narrow it down to the one player that I think has the potential to be the best player in the Big 12 this season. He's the reigning defensive player um, in the NCAA, and that's Mike Rose. I already talked about him earlier, Zach. Last year, you know, he's going to his senior season. And last year, he's coming off of a massive year where he had a whopping 99 total tackles. That led the Big 12. Um, I'm sorry, he was the Big 12 defensive player of the year, not the NCAA. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I was like, dang, never mind. Um, he had 57 solo, solo tackles, also led the Big 12 there. Not only that, but as a linebacker, Zach, he had five interceptions, and that led the Big 12. This guy is an absolute monster. He's a guy that you do not want to be up against. Um, he had ten and a half tackles for loss last season. I, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Get this. This is even better because I already talked about the five interceptions, Zach. He had two passes defended last year. I mean, they're putting this guy in coverage. How, 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 like, how, like, diverse is your skill set as a linebacker that your defense coordinator says, you know what, we're putting you in coverage right now. And we're letting you not only that, but you're good enough to get five interceptions, two passes defended. I mean, over his career, over his three-year career, Zach, he has seven passes defended. He has six total interceptions. I mean, this guy is an absolute threat on the defensive side of the ball. And like I said, I know there's players like Spencer Radler, there's players like Brees Hall, but Mike Rose might realistically be the best player in the Big 12 this season. Yeah, I mean, he he plays like that Luke Keekley role on that defense. Yeah. Like, when you watch him play, he's their quarterback on defense. He's calling out the plays. He's very instinctive, and I think that's why you see his INT total so high because he knows what's coming on a lot of these plays. He's calling out, reading the quarterback very well. So, Mike Rose is a guy that I think you could see be a steal of the draft rating because I don't think he's going to test well in terms of measurables and numbers, but he's going to be like that third, fourth, fifth-round pick where you're like, man, where did he come from? And it's going to be Mike Rose from Iowa State. But let's end this segment, man, on a on another Oklahoma player. I know I try to spread it around. I, I try to spread the love, but I had to talk about this kid. If you watched, my, if you watched our Oklahoma episode where I broke down why they should be top national championship contenders, Marvin Milms is a name that you better recognize because, Brandon, I think this kid has, like, Jalen Waddle potential in terms of what wow. he could be in college football. 5'11", like 180. Brandon, as a true freshman, had the seventh highest receiving grade um, in the country. He also had one of the – he had some of the most explosive plays in the country with over 15. As a true freshman, man, he was the top receiver. And it doesn't – I don't think you could really talk about – 
his size or anything like that. Like he's not going to go necessarily moss you, but the, it's not because he's bigger than you. It's because his ball skills, man, and his body control are outstanding. So we got copyrighted on the highlights I posted on our Oklahoma episode. So if you want to go check those out, go check out the Oklahoma episode. He makes some just ridiculous catches. And Brandon, you talk about micros in that Iowa State defense. There's a play on that video where he takes like one jab step and the entire defense just like crumbles. And he is just gone in the Big 12 championship game. This guy's going to be the number one wide receiver for Oklahoma this year. And, guys, if Spencer Rattler goes out and wins the Heisman, like a lot of people think, Marvin Mims might get an invite just because his stats are so inflated. Because I love Jadon Hazelwood. I love Austin Stoner at the tight end position. When in doubt, Spencer Rattler is going to go to Marvin Mims. And most of the time, guys, he's going to go make a play. He's that he's that Devontae Smith type guy where you're like, I don't have anywhere to go. I need someone to make something happen. Marvin Mills can make it happen. So, guys, remember that name. Marvin Mills is the truth at wide receiver. But, Brandon, let's get to our last segment before we drop our official predictions, and that sleeper teams in the Big 12. This probably, in my opinion, Brandon, how I looked at it, could be anyone outside of Oklahoma, Iowa State, because those are the two that are getting all the love, and I'm very, very passionate about this team. I think we're both going to have them on our list. It's the the TCU Horn Frogs, man. It's my number Listen, one. It had to be. I, I love this. I love what TCU is bringing this year, guys. I, I know that we have a lot of people. I think we have some people in the comments say Texas. TCU, in my opinion, I, I I think they can make the Big 12 title, Brandon, if they just get past Iowa State. That's how good I think they could be. So when I look at this team, Brandon, they might be the best Gary Patterson team that we've seen in a while. You remember Gary Patterson has not had a had a double-digit win season since 2017. That was his last time with a very good TCU team. You've kind of talked about him, Brandon. Max Duggan is the key here, though. Last year was his best year as the quarterback for the Horn Frogs, but I still think he needs to take another step. I want to see a small increase in accuracy. He jumped from he jumped to over 60% last year. I want to see it jump to like 65, 66, 67, somewhere in that range will be perfect for Duggan. He, he went from attempting under six yards of pass to over seven and a half yards per pass last year. Ten touchdowns to four interceptions is a huge improvement over the double-digit turnovers he had his freshman year. He's just getting better. And, Brandon, his running ability, like we talked about, is what separates him. He's a playmaker. And, you know, you can teach all these quarterback fundamentals. You can teach route, you know, how to how to throw a certain ball, throw this, throw that. You can't teach instincts and playmaking. Outside the pocket, he just makes stuff happen. When you watch that TCU-Texas game, I would love to do a film breakdown on that game, Brandon, one day. Well, I guess next offseason we'll have to do it. He honestly won them that Texas game last year. There were so many plays where Texas had that offense under wraps, and he just went out and made something happen, and I love it. And for me, Brandon, Doug Meacham, offensive coordinator, is going to scheme it up perfectly. Brandon, the RPO and read option game with with Duggan and Zachary Evans could be the most dangerous duo in the country. And then on top of that, Joe Spielman, is the real deal at wide receiver. One of the best wide receivers in the Big 12 last year. He's back. And, Brandon, they rank number two in the Big 12 in wide receiving talent returning right behind Oklahoma. I already mentioned Joe Spielman. You also got Quentin Johnson back. And when you combine the offense, Brandon, so the one critique of Gary Patterson offense is that his time is – they they don't his offenses never live up to his defense. He always wins on defense because he's a defensive-minded coach. The defense is there. The offense is there. T.J. Carter, though, Brandon, is a name I think people need to know. He's going to be Trevon Mary's replacement at safety. He didn't have an outstanding year last year, but he showed promise down the stretch. But they have the best-ranked corner in the Big 12, Brandon, in Traverius Hodges-Tomlinson. He only allowed, Brandon, this is for the whole season now, only 12 catches on 45 targets and had 14 pass breakups on those and forced tight coverage on almost 60% of his targets, Brandon, which led the nation. Had a 90-plus coverage grade, which led the Big 12, and had the highest incompletion force rate in the country at over 35%. And on top of that, Kari Coleman and Akon Mathis are back at the edge rusher positions. 
Patterson, it has one of his most athletic defenses at his time at TCU. There's no reason, Brandon, when I'm looking at the schedule, to think TCU can't be undefeated going into the Oklahoma game on October 16th. And outside of Oklahoma, Iowa State might be favored in every matchup on the way to those two games. Yeah, Zach, you're absolutely right. I mean, I love this team. I really do. Max Duggan's the truth. Zach Evans is the truth. This defense, all as an entire unit, is very good, very underrated too. Um, but I, I, I fully agree with everything you just mentioned about um, about TCU. I think that they are going to be one of these sleeper teams, and I wouldn't be shocked if they somehow slip their way into the Big Twelve uh, Conference Championship. If they win some games they're not supposed to. Uh, I wouldn't like, get too excited about that happening, but it might happen. Um, I'm going to mention two more teams real quick, and I'm not going to go into like hardly any detail on them, Zach. But I just I just needed to mention them. I feel like K-State always wins a few games that they should not win, and that might land them in the sleeper category just because the Big <laughs> that's, 12. That's such, a, that's such an understatement. Like, it's <laughs> such an understatement. Like, K-State should have never, and I'm talking about absolutely never beat Oklahoma. And I was at that game two years ago when it happened, Brandon. There's no reason why they should have won that game. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's a fact. And my last team that, that I think might be a sleeper is going. I'm going to say Baylor. Um, it's just because, uh, just because Dave Aranda at some point has to make this defense better, right? Like he's one of the greatest defensive minds in college football, if not the greatest defensive mind in college football right now. And he's working with Baylor. Last season was his first season. Sure, he didn't have any off season. I feel like. I would not be shocked whatsoever if we just saw Baylor have a, like an, a nasty defense this season, just out of nowhere. If we saw that happen, that wouldn't shock me whatsoever. Yeah, and you know, I'm going to break that down more, Brandon. And you know, we got two comments here. Our guy Serve said TCU is going to be playing Oklahoma after the Texas game, so Oklahoma could be coming off a really tough game there. So that is a good point, Serve. And he said K State's going to go for the three peat against Oklahoma. Man, listen. Uh, serve. I'm in Manhattan right now. I'm going to let you know if that happens, this city might burn to the ground. Like we're talking about like Philadelphia winning the Super Bowl burn to the ground. If they pull off a third <laughs> upset, uh, I mean, they might, they might give Chris Common a lifetime contract. If they beat <laughs> Oklahoma three straight times as a top, as a top five team. I mean, they were a top three team the first time it happened, but Brandon, the reason that I'm worried about Baylor that offense is atrocious. It's bad. Well, it's it's just, it, bad. it is terrible. And the problem is I think their schedule lays out terrible, Brandon. They get Texas, TCU, Oklahoma, Kansas State four weeks back-to-back. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's tragic. That is – you could not list that out any worse for, for Baylor. Uh, also, losing Charlie Brewer I feel like really hurts them. I'm not a huge Jacob Zeno fan or a Jerry Bohannon fan, so I'm very worried on what their quarterback is, what their quarterback situation is going to be. Sir said they go crazy out there. Listen, man, uh, man Manhattan is a savage, a savage place. Let me just That's say that. True. There's no um, the little apple, baby. But yeah, the offense for Dave Aranda. Listen, it is it is interesting though. They did fire Larry Fedora as offensive coordinator out there at Baylor, and they brought in Jeff Grimes. But it really depends on, man, Brandon, do you think Jeff Grouse can turn it around in one year with a brand-new starting quarterback? Huge questions at running back, and then one of the worst wide receiving cores in the nation. No, I, it's, it's, tough for, it's tough for me, man, but I think I, if they – I will be shocked if they're as bad as they were last year. Two wins shocked me. Yeah, Baylor only winning two games was uh, was very, very shocking to me, so I don't think it's that bad. And for K-State, Brandon – it really just relies on one name, and they because they got the running back in Deuce Vaughn, the wide receivers are solid. It's going to be what is Scholar Thompson going to be after his injury? He was playing some of his best football before he went down. That's how they got the upset against Oklahoma. If he isn't 100%, Brandon, I don't know if they really have a true answer behind him. So for me, Kansas State relies solely on can Spencer Thompson be healthy or Scholar Thompson be healthy and return to full strength and just elevate his game slightly, Brandon, because his big-time throw rate was second in the country. Yeah. Second in the country. 
But when you look at his true drop back rate and accurate pass rate, it's very, very low. And Brandon, he ranked 116th in average time to throw because that offensive line was just ravaged by youth and injuries. So offensive line's a huge question here. We got bowl sleeper pick right now, Oklahoma. Facts, Man. Yeah. No one thinks no one thinks they can win. <laughs> Takes a savage, but let's get to uh, let's get to our official predictions here, man. Uh, let me share this screen. I, I, I think we're all going to be shocked here that neither of us picked Oklahoma, but there I, I'm just I'm just joking, guys. Listen, so let me break this down for y'all. Um, I am on the left. Brandon's on the right. We both have Oklahoma, Iowa State going to the title game, Oklahoma winning the title game. Um, for me, I have TCU at a strong third-place finish, Texas fourth, K-State fifth, o- Oklahoma State sixth, West Virginia seventh, Baylor eighth, Texas Tech ninth, Kansas tenth. Beat-up has Texas at three, TCU at four, Oklahoma State at five, West Virginia six, K-State at seven, Baylor eight, Texas Tech nine, and Kansas ten. Comment wherever you're watching, man. What are your thoughts on some of these picks? I'm about to call Brandon out right now. Oh, I need to – how – where in the world does Texas finish third? I believe in Bajan Robinson, and I believe in Steve Sarkeesian, Zach. That's that's really all they need. Um I don't think this is an outrageous pick by any means. Uh, TCU, yes, is going to be very good, but they, I don't know. I, I feel like they need to put it all together and things have to land correctly. Uh, I don't know. I, Texas somehow benefits being in the Big 12. They always do. They always finish toward the top, if not at the top. So, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I'm way out there putting Texas at three. Oh, man. I, listen, I, I got him at four. I had a real tough time. I'm not going to lie. So I'll tell you guys where I struggled. I really, Brandon, I I was so close. I think TCU and Iowa State are inter- interchangeable right this second. And I really think K-State could finish above Texas. What? <laughs> do yeah, you? I do. I, I, you, have listen, no I, you have zero faith in Texas. I, I don't love Hudson Card or Casey Thompson and what they've brought to the table in spring practice. Their secondary is going to be atrocious. They're when you don't have a second, yeah, no, nah, they're not, and not even in the slightest. Look, their O line and D line are going to be the strength. They've done an outstanding job recruiting those two positions. The wide receiving core has a lot of questions. But John Robinson is great, Brandon, but he's not going to. He's not mortal. Like you can't run him into the ground. Who's his backup? Great question. They have they have no depth at running back, in my opinion. And for me, if if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have nothing in college football, Brandon. Let's just put it that way. Like this isn't necessarily this, true. It, the, the, no, it, it is. In, in today's college football, you cannot win with a bad quarterback. It's I mean, just, but tell me the last team that competed for a natty with a bad quarterback. With a bad quarterback? Um Alabama, Mac Jones. Uh, that's tough. That's a bad look for you. That is a, <laughs> a bad very for- bad look for you. Okay. Mac Jones played a, a, outstanding in the system he was in. Yeah, with the best wide receivers in the country, yes. <laughs> Nick Marshall. But that, that, I'll, gi- I'll give you that. That's 2013. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's how long ago that was. 2013, Brandon. Jones is 2020, bro. Also, yeah, I guess you could put Jake Frost <laughs> to a point. I like I like that one, Jake Frost. So Jake, that was all, that was 2017. But yeah. I mean, when you look at the playoffs in these recent years, Brandon, you have to have like you have to have a playmaker at quarterback that can that can one like Mac Jones get the ball into the playmaker's hands. Two, you, you or you just have to have a game changer that can just go out there and win you the game. And I don't see Texas having that. And the reason that you know I don't think the Mac Jones comments fits. Texas doesn't have the wide receivers that he had. There, I don't. Outside of Bajal Robinson, I don't know if there's a playmaker that you can trust to go get a play. No, I mean that, that's a fact. I don't think the Big Twelve is very good, Zach. I think they're extremely top heavy. By extremely top-heavy, I mean the top two teams in this conference, I think, are like miles ahead of every other team. You mentioned that you think TCU and Iowa State are interchangeable. I disagree with that hard. I think that Iowa State is levels above every other team. Levels? <laughs> levels. Well, let's, uh, okay, hang on. 
Tank, we're going to exclude Alabama here. But, like, let's exclude Alabama from the conversation because Blake Sims and Coker would not win a national title anywhere other than Alabama. Let's just put it – Let's just put it like that. But Brandon, the, this is this shows you. I, I did some research while you were talking. The top pass catcher returning for Texas is Joshua Moore, right? Yeah. Where Where do you think he ranked last year in terms of receiving grade? Total. Wait, what do you mean receiving grade? You mean to rank him, or what do you want me to give him? Like a grade? Yeah, like, like no, no. So we the, he has a grade. Where do you think his receiving grade rated in college football last year in terms of wide uh, receivers? Nah. Uh, uh, top 60, top 70. He was tied for 153. That's tough. Why, why do you whisper to the mic like that, bro? You don't got to do that. <laughs> We're not tied for 153. Brandon, he, had, he was tied for 111th in explosive plays produced. His drop rate was 3%, and his yards per route run was 1.6. That's <laughs> tough. That's oh, his. That's the number one target you got out there in Texas right now. But their number one target this next season is Bijan Robinson. So like, what are we talking? I, about? I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Listen, you know, uh, I'm just not confident in Texas, man. I have them almost fourth by default because I have some questions about Kansas State, uh, especially in the secondary and on the O line. But Brandon, I mean, so this is a question for you. So you have Texas third. How worried are you the first two weeks of the season? I'm not worried at all. I have zero stake in Texas. Why? No, I mean, no, no like zero. Like, if so, if you're like as a Texas, it's like put yourself in Texas this year. Oh, oh, how, how how worried are you about Louisiana, Lafayette, and Arkansas? Oh my god, I'm extremely worried because, well, maybe not that worried because Brandon has uh, has a little bit of skin in the game when it comes to Louisiana that first <laughs> that first week of the season. That's true. He, he's known to jinx games, so maybe not that worried. But realistically. That's that's gonna be a tough game. That's the top twenty-five. That's a ranked matchup, and UL's a good team. They're returning a lot, and Billy Napier's still there. He didn't leave. So like this team is probably the same team we saw last season. And bro, it's coming in two weeks. Texas is no closer to naming a QB starter. And you know, before I know, the comments are coming for people who don't watch Group of Five football, saying, "What are you talking about?" Louisiana Lafayette beat a top ten team last year in Iowa State, thirty-one to fourteen, week one. Yep, sure smack did. them, and that and that and Iowa State won the Big Twelve in the regular season last year. So don't yeah. tell me, don't thank you, sir. Tell them ULL is going to be a problem. Listen, I'm if I'm a Texas fan, I am so much more worried about Louisiana Lafayette than I am Arkansas. I, I'm worried about Arkansas if I'm a Texas fan. I am too. <laughs> I am too. I, I think. Brandon, the the problem. Hang on, let, I gotta I, I gotta find Texas. Let, let me pull up Texas's schedule real quick. I got it right here. I got it right here. You want it? Yeah, read it out to us, man. What's Texas's right. schedule? We've got Louisiana week one, Arkansas week two. They play Rice at home week three. Okay, That's- okay. So so let's stop right there. So let's just rank losable games, okay? Losable games. So we have two so far, in my opinion, because Rice probably isn't losable. So you have two of your first three games is. If you don't play well, you're going to get beat. So we got two losable games. So let's just say, yeah, two losable games. Next game is Texas Tech. I don't think that's losable. I, no, I won't put that there. TCU is definitely losable. losable. Oklahoma is like it's a loss. I'm just yeah. going to call that a loss. <laughs> Oklahoma State, that's kind of – I think that's That's losable. a possible L. It, it, I don't think it's like they might, they will lose, but they, they could. Um, after that, we got uh, Baylor. That's a win. I, I got them over Baylor. Yep. Iowa State, that's an L. Possible L. Kansas, that's a dub. I don't know. Kansas is giving us some problems every single <laughs> years. West Virginia, but it's at West Virginia. Possible L. I'm giving it a possible and L. And K-State in Austin. Possible L. Possible L. Okay, that's it. That's eight possible Ls, Brandon. <laughs> You're telling me – so eight, eight games, Brandon – I honestly think if if that quarterback position does not live up to the height for Texas, that team could be. I I think so. When I look at their ceiling, Brandon, I think their ceiling is nine and three. Yep. I, I think they uh, Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU for me are the three losses at the ceiling. The floor though is six and six for me. Okay, six and, six and six is as low as maybe five and seven if they drop to UL. 
Ooh, because, Brandon, what, what is – okay, so let me ask you something. I mean, Iowa State rebounded, but they had a, a three-year starter at, at quarterback in Brock Purdy. They had Brees Hall at running back, and they had, they, they had the O-line, Charlie Kohler at tight end. They had that defense. They had experience. What's Texas's mindset going to be with a youthful roster and a first-year head coach if UL goes out there and smacks them around? Right. That's going to be tough. And then you don't get a rest. You don't get to lick your wounds because here comes Arkansas. And let's ask Auburn what what happens when you sleep on Arkansas. Or how about this? Let's ask Georgia in the first half what happens when you forget that you're playing Arkansas. Right. Right. And so, it's not a bad Arkansas team. I mean, we're talking about like Sam Pittman, like new Arkansas. And they, well, they, hey, listen, uh, our SEC preview isn't here. KJ Jefferson's the truth, guys. He's yeah. not Felipe Franks. KJ Jefferson will beat you if you sleep on Arkansas this year. I am pumped for KJ Jefferson. I can't wait for SEC preview. But guys, we appreciate y'all tuning in, man. This, th- those were our big twelve predictions, man. Official predictions. We broke down games, players, storylines, all that stuff, man. We appreciate y'all tuning in for real on this Saturday night, man. We, we couldn't do this without y'all. So shout out to y'all for that. We got so much content coming, man. The season's coming tomorrow, and I don't think y'all are ready for the amount of content we're having. I mean, let's see. That's a tough out-of-conference for Texas, guys. Please give me your thoughts on Oklahoma and Nebraska before you end the show. Oh, if Oklahoma wins that in the fashion, will it be enough to say Big 12 over Big 10? No. Okay, so, no. so, 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 let's, <laughs> so let's take this one at a time. Hang on. Oklahoma is probably I said so I'm not a I'm not like a line setter but I would imagine just I'm not thinking of like betting wise I'm just thinking about college football analyst wise Oklahoma should be no less than a 24 to 25 point favorite in that game if and and I might be I might be a a, a line maker but 21 and a half is what I put it at right now so I, I serve I think if Oklahoma loses to Nebraska. Lincoln Raleigh has to leave town. Like you can't lose to Nebraska with the roster you have, especially with Scott Frost is probably might be suspended for that game, depending on how the yeah the investigation goes. They lost their best player on the field in Wondell Robinson. Um, Adrian Martinez might be one of the worst quarterbacks in the Power Five, and they literally they have holes at almost every position you could think of. Right. So I, I think I think you're looking at Oklahoma will have more uh, might have a more competitive game with like a Kansas State or something than a, a Nebraska, and I think I think there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten that will beat Nebraska this year. And if they do it in dominating fashion, I still don't think you could say Big Twelve over Big Ten serve just because Nebraska's probably not even a top three or four team in their own division. So yeah. I, I think. Oklahoma would have to go to the playoff serve and smack around Ohio State for that to really become the conversation, in my opinion. And, or also, uh, so the only way you can say Big 12 over Big 10 serve is if one, all those non-conference games we talked about, the Big 12 wins, and then Washington and Oregon beat Michigan, Ohio State. And Minnesota loses their big non-conference game. And also, Big 12 over Big 10's more, I guess, more relevant serve is when if Iowa State smacks Iowa. If they go into Iowa and just beat them to death, then all those things coming together, you'll have that final argument, Big 12 over Big 10. But I don't think the sole Oklahoma over Nebraska win is going to give you enough ammo to say Big 12 over Big 10 because – this is the same issue, serve I have with the swag. You can't, you can't like beating, t- taking your best team and beating a horrible team in another conference isn't enough to change anything. I want to see best versus best matchups when we start comparing conferences. That's why I think these non-conference games are so important to schedule because you can't even debate the conferences until you do that. Um, so Tank just looked up the line. He said it's eighteen and a half right now for Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll, I'll take smash I'll take that. I'm smash that. I'm saying, where, where where is that at, Tank? Because I uh, I got to do some research <laughs> because um, I, would, I would love that line. And Tank, uh, SEC will be next week, uh, so we'll announce that as it gets closer. I I believe so. With college football being next Saturday, I think we're going to try to move it up to Friday. But we'll we announce the date. We might have to go yeah. earlier on that. 
Yeah, we might even go um, earlier on that. So I'll let you know. It might even be on Thursday. We'll announce our next step. We'll probably announce on our Monday episode when it will be. Um, let's see. He said, if Oklahoma beats Nebraska, can we say SEC over everyone else in the world? Oh, he okay. said FanDuel was where that line was. <laughs> yeah. shout, out, shout, yeah. shout out to FanDuel. But, guys, next week, we'll announce today's on Monday's episode. We're doing our Pac-12 and SEC previews to end our previews. Then, later in the week, man, we're doing game breakdowns for every game this weekend, man. I, like I told y'all, man, I don't care if it's a bunch of Brandons going out there to play a bunch of Zacks. We're breaking it down. We'll know who wins that game anyway. But – Man, we are here for all y'all's college football content, man. Hey, only channel on YouTube or anywhere, any podcast that we cover every level of college football. So make sure to subscribe now over on YouTube. Like and share the video if you're on Facebook and retweet like on Twitter if you're watching over there, man. We appreciate all y'all's support, man. We got so many episodes coming. I, I, I think we'll be dropping like two, three episodes a day starting the season, man. So make sure to get all your Blue Bloods content in, man. The season's finally here. Y'all rock with us all offseason. We can't start to drop those game previews and recaps and everything. But, guys, we will see y'all Monday right here on the Blue Bloods. But for now, we are out. <laughs>